everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Five Good Questions podcast. I'm your host, Casey Cornelius, and it is a pleasure to bring you this episode. Don't get me wrong, I get excited about all the guests that we have, but this time, it's pretty cool. This is someone who I've been trying to get on since the beginning of the podcast, uh, even through the planning phases, and I was lucky enough that when I reached out, he said yes. So, um, as you know, with you know my travel schedule is all over the place and, and pretty hectic, and, and my guest's travel schedule is pretty hectic, so we were able to, to make this work and uh, just really thrilled to bring it to you. Uh, before we get started, make sure if you're not already that you're following us on social media at five good questions, number five good questions. You can also use the hashtag 5GQ if you'd like to chat and connect. My guest tonight is the season one winner of The Voice on NBC. He is a multiple time recording artist, has done all kinds of crazy things, traveled the world singing and performing. And in just my humble opinion, one of the most awesome, kind, full-hearted um, performers I, I've ever seen and had the opportunity to interact with. So without further ado, let me go ahead and welcome to the broadcast, Mr. Javier Colon. Javier, welcome to the show, sir. Casey, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, it is a pleasure to get you on. It, uh, I tell you, we were, we were chatting before we, we hit uh, play here. This man put some miles in the air, so so to be able to chat with you, I uh, I certainly uh, appreciate it. So b- before we get started, just out of morbid curiosity, how many miles do you think you put in in the last few weeks? Um, in the last few weeks, let's see, back and forth to North Carolina a couple times, to Nashville twice, San Francisco and back. That was a good one. Um, in a day, right? In a day. That, yeah, it was a day. That was a fly out in the morning, do a show, uh, and then fly, take the red eye back and, and fly home and, and be back by nine in the morning. Um, that Those are tough. Those those are some sleepless nights. But you, you do that stuff to, to get back to the family and, and kids you know, as quickly as, as you can. So uh, I, I have no problem with it. It's, it's the way that I prefer to, to do it. Fly out, do it, and and, uh, and get back. Man, that's awesome. So. Um, as, yeah, as far as as far as miles go, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, twenty five. I, I probably, I think I, I got, I went up a full status <laughs> just, <laughs> just in, in the last in the last week uh, uh, alone. Just a bunch of, I did a bunch of flying, and I got, I've got more to go. I go to, I, you know, I go to Florida in, in a few days. Um, I think I go to Florida three times or four times in in the next uh, in the next four weeks. It's like back and forth, back and forth. So. Lots of uh, lots of super fly miles, but it's it's, all, it's all good. Man, and and uh, for those of you who don't know, Javier's based in, in Connecticut, so uh, so back and forth to San Francisco or back and forth to Florida is a hike for sure. Um, for those of you not familiar with Javier's work, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where you've been, uh, but make sure that you visit JavierCologne.com. Uh, follow him on all the social media. He's the guy with the check mark next to his name, uh, but we'll go ahead and put that in the, <laughs> the show notes too. So. So I guess the obvious question I want to start with, uh, Javier, is um, how did you get started in music? I mean, what at what what age or what stage of life are you like, wow, this this feels like um, what I'm meant to do? You know, I I had been uh, I had been singing for for a long time, just kind of in in my house, you know, for my family, um, not really knowing that you know if I was good or not. Just I just like to do it. My father. Uh, was always in the radio business. He was, uh, he, he was a radio DJ, Spanish language radio DJ for uh, a long time. Then he ended up partnering with some other guys and buying uh, his own radio station. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it was, the music, uh, music was on, you know, all the time from the, from the moment I woke up, uh, the radio was on. And then the moment I went to bed, uh, the the radio was still on. It just it, it was just the, the constant background noise of of my childhood, and and I would uh, I'd hear these singers, you know, singing on the radio, and I would hear these, especially like these crooners that for some reason I, I would um, have an affinity like just to, to I'd be kind of drawn to these songs, and and uh, I would like you know I'd try to sing along and and uh, you know just you know hold these long notes at the end of these songs as long as I could and. Um, 
you know, I, I just thought it was all, you know, fun and games. And I started playing the guitar and the piano when I was about seven years old and, and um, you know, started writing songs when I was maybe 12, uh, 11 wow. or 12. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of how, that's how, how it started. I, I didn't really, um, you know, I didn't really know any, you know, if I was really, you know, if I was good or not at it, you know, my, uh, really great, the first you know, person to tell me that I was good with my mom, but you never believe your mom <laughs> in that in that situation. So, uh, when I got into seventh grade, I I, I did a uh, I was I was in choir in the first day of choir. I was singing, you know, warm ups with everyone, and and the teacher was kind of walking around the room like she was looking for something, and and she she stopped in front of me and asked me if I could stay after class, and I said sure, and I stayed after, and she said you have you have a really nice voice. You know, do you sing outside of school? You know, what's your story? And I said, well, I, I play the guitar and piano, and, and um, you know, I like playing the songs that I hear on the radio, you know, whatever. So you could bring your guitar in and I, uh, tomorrow. And I said, sure. I brought my guitar in, and I, in, in Homeroom, I, I, played her, um, I played her a song. Uh, it was Heaven by Warrant, actually, was the song wow. that wow. I played her. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself, but that's, <laughs> that's okay. Um, so I played her that, that song, and, um, and she said, oh, my God, that was amazing. I'm going to have you sing that for the, the eighth-grade girls' choir class. And if you know anything about seventh-grade boys, the, most, the, the thing that they're most afraid of is the eighth-grade eighth girls. Eighth-grade girls, yeah, and, sure. Yeah, there's like, you know, so I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. I tried to play sixth and get out of, uh, of school that day. Uh, I tricked the nurse, and she was going to send me home. And then the teacher found out about it. She came in and said, you're not sending him home. She called my mom and said, don't you come pick him up. He's trying to get out of something that I want him to do, and he's not getting out of it. So I, I ended up, you know, singing for these girls, and, and, and it went really well. And they really loved it, and they started kind of talking about me, uh, you know, to all the other people that, that you know, that, that, were, that weren't there. And, uh, you know, quickly in seventh grade, I started getting with this, this – uh, you know, reputation for being, you know, the, the singing, that was the singing kid. I was the kid who, who, uh, who had a nice voice. That's what, that's what, you know, people would say. And then I was doing, uh, you know, every, you know, every morning they had me doing the, the national anthem and, and this and that. Wow. And then I started to annoy people, uh, <laughs> after, after a while, but that's kind of how it all started. You know, that's by the end of seventh grade, I realized that it was what I wanted to do uh no doubt I, I i wanted to do it i just didn't know how i was going to do it but i knew that i wanted to do it so I, i'm going to fast forward a couple of years i don't know if you are aware of this or not but we have a mutual friend who went to college with you and okay. she once shared with me a story that you would actually i think you were a resident advisor and that you would walk around singing during your rounds is that true that is correct. Yeah, I was an RA, a resident assistant, and uh, at the University of Hartford. And uh, and yes, that is absolutely true. I would walk around and and uh, and and just kind of. I mean, I was I was walking around and singing to myself no matter what, and I still do. If you see me at the grocery store, I'm probably singing something to my. I caught myself doing it today, actually. Uh, so I still do that. Um, I can't. I just can't help it. But. Um, Yes, that that is true. I I would sing while I was on duty doing my rounds, and even in, in the duty office, I'd bring my guitar to pass the time. And residents would come, and and you know it always became like a, a sing along night when I when I was when I was on duty. I tried to be the cool RA. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's give a quick shout out to Kate Plano for for sharing that story with me. So uh, she uh, nice. that 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 was that was a fun one. So I I want to fast forward just a little bit because I know that we have a lot of. A lot of time to cover. So at, at, at some point, you decided this is what I want to do professionally. You decide this is where my passion is. Um, you know, everyone, you know, since your mom first told you that, you know, hey, you're a pretty good singer and that, you know, that, that choir teacher in the, the seventh grade. Uh, what flipped the switch to do it professionally? I think that that's something that a lot of listeners probably would be interested in knowing is how this went from something that you really enjoyed to your path, your career. Well, um, I got lucky several times in in my career. Um, uh, right out of college, well, while I was in college, I was in a, a funk R and B band that my friend 
uh, Ian McHugh um, had started, and uh, we we you know we were doing local bars and stuff around Connecticut on the weekends because I was I was doing music ed at, at school and I had student teaching um, you know during during the at least the last semester um, I had student teaching so I was just kind of crazy with lesson plans and and, and doing all that but on the weekends. Uh, they'd want me to go and sing in New York and in Boston and, and in Connecticut. So, so we were doing these shows, and, and one night we opened for a group named Soul Live. Um, and Eric Krasno was the guitarist from Soul Live. He heard us um, uh, opening up, and, and he tried to find me afterwards, but I had left really quickly because I had to wake up early for student teaching the next day. Um, but he talked to my keyboard player, got my number, and he gave my number to um, the... the attorney for the, the Derek truck stand. Uh-huh. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from a guy saying he's uh, Derek truck's attorney. And he, you know, they heard through this person that I was a good singer and he wanted to talk to me over possibly, you know, joining their group. And, and I said, wow, you know, yeah, we could absolutely talk about it. At the time, I didn't really know Derek's music. So I, I kind of studied up and quickly realized how phenomenal uh, he was uh, and is. Um, and uh, I met Derek at, uh, at, a, at a concert um, that was near me like a month or so later. And then uh, we set up another time for me to go and sing with them at, at the Bowery Ball in, in New York. And, and I sang a few songs with them that night. And the next day we had breakfast and they offered me the job. And, um, and that was my, that was, that was, that was the first, um, that was my first job. You know, I was maybe two months out of graduating college and, uh, they wanted me to be out on the road with them and touring, you know, professionally. And, and that's what I did. I toured with them the first year I was out on the road, 222 days. And, um, so it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of work, 180 shows we did that that first year wow, that's incredible <laughs> that is that that's pretty crazy but um but it was awesome you know and and i to be around the caliber of musicians that i was around in, in Derek's band um you know it was just it was an incredible experience coming out of college to have that that kind of opportunity um to to feed off of uh, of these these seasoned you know pros and and Derek was younger than me but he'd been on the road since he was 11 so, so he's been wow. on the road for years, wow. and uh, and it was it was just a, a great uh, great thing to do, um, uh, a great opportunity to to get right out of college. Um, so that was the first thing that was the first thing that I did. And I ended up um, leaving that band because I um, I ended up getting a, a solo deal with um, with Capitol Records through a completely separate uh, uh, you know. The happenstance, the, the way that, that that things turned out. But um, remember how I told you, my mom like you know she she wanted me to she wanted me to sing and right, and right. she thought she thought that I was good. She would force me to do these these local talent shows and things in, in Connecticut. Well, I did one one year in sixth grade, and um, I met a, a guy that was uh, um, he was super cool. He was like the assistant drama teacher. And he played the guitar. He was young. He was hip. And I was like, man, I want to be like this guy. He's just, he's just awesome. And um, we kept in touch after that. And, and he ended up having me come in and uh, when I was in high school, do a, a play in the town that he was uh, that that he was working in. And um, and through that, I ended up meeting this guy Ian, who we start we formed that band uh, in college. Uh, and then the drummer in that band moved out to L.A. And he showed some of our music to a producer, and that producer called me, uh, and ended up getting me uh, my record deal with uh, my first record deal with with Capitol uh, Records. Um, you know, it, it was just it, it was the craziest, you know, you know, six degrees of, of separation. I mean, had I not done this little thing that my mom forced me to do in sixth grade, I wouldn't have gotten my my first record deal um but you know it was uh you know crazy how that how that whole thing worked out but isn't it, isn't it amazing how um, those, those ripples uh, yeah, just, just happen yeah you, you just never know where your opportunities are going to come from and people ask me all the time you know how do you get 
uh, how do you get out there? You know, how do you get into business? You have to do everything and anything that comes your way and find, you know, the things that don't, that aren't coming your way and, and, you know, make that happen because, you know, you just never know where it's going to come from. You know, you could just be at the right place at the right time and meet the right person who's going to introduce you to this person who, you know, happens to be the brother of, you know, whoever, you know, you just, you just never know, but that's the way the business works. And and you have to kind of play that, you have to play that game, unfortunately, but it's, um, that's, that's how it, that's how it works for me. That, that, that first record deal. And, um, uh, yeah. And that's, that's how I ended up leaving the Dare Trucks band to, to go in and pursue the, the, the solo career. Well, for, for our listeners who are, you know, still believing in the myth of the overnight success. Uh, you know, it took years, uh, as, as Javier shared, years uh, for that success to happen. Uh, I, real quick plug, make sure to go to JavierCologne.com. Make sure to go to iTunes, download all the music. Um, you, you mentioned the word crazy a couple of times, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your first kind of solo hit, and, and that was crazy. Yeah, crazy. Um, that, was, uh, that was the first song, and and um, that was written by myself, um, you know, Evan Rogers and, and Carl Sturkin. Uh, Evan and Carl were, were the, the guys that, that, that they were kind of my, between them and, and the guy, Kevin Cloud, who was my, uh, who was my friend, my dear friend. And uh, they're all my dear friends. But uh, Kevin was the guy that I met first uh, who connected with my drummer in, in California. And he's the one who kind of really got the wheels, uh, you know, moving. Uh, got everything in motion, but um, but yeah, uh, crazy was uh, was the song that that kicked it off. We had a, that was my first video shoot, and and uh, <laughs> it was it was awesome. I, I uh, I'll never forget that. I've got a lot of B roll of that day uh, of <laughs> shooting that that video. I've got to go downstairs and I got to find I got to find all of those uh, all of those tapes because there was some there was some good stuff in there. I'm sure. So one of the things that that occurs to me as someone who's a a fan of your music is that that song in particular felt like it had a little bit more of a hip hop influence to it. Um, Was that an intentional thing? Was that something that the record label suggested? Uh, How, how would you describe that? Well, you know, I think it was, uh, it was, it was pretty pop at, at the time. Um, You know, the, the, the heavier R and B stuff didn't come until, second album when the record label kind of told me that we're not going to re-sign you to a second deal unless you, you purposefully go more urban. Right. Uh, and, uh, so the, the, the urban, the more urban sounding R and D stuff happened, uh, the second record, which was called left of center. Um, but I, you know, there were some songs that I felt were kind of forced on that record, but there was also, some songs that um, that I love, I love from that record. The answer is yes. Um, Count on me, uh, which I did with Anthony Hamilton. Um, I loving you. I think was the last track on on that record. Right. Um, there's some some good there's some good songs on there that I might have to I might have to revive some of those at at, at some at some point. But uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and not to not to date you at all. Did... So I always kind of got the vibe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that that maybe they were trying to portray you as a little younger than you were at the time. Is that is that accurate? Uh, let's see. Um, you know, they they would they they wanted me to lie about my age, which <laughs> which I wouldn't do uh, because I was like, how does I'm like, how does that work? Like people, <laughs> right, I, I went right. to school with people, like right. a lot of people, right? Like right. <laughs> like how does that work where you just pretend? Like you just put out a number, and like nobody's gonna call you out it. They call you out on it, like on your wiki page. Like, dude, yeah, I went to you school can't, with you. Can't you can't be nineteen. And you're not that <laughs> age. I was I was mortified right. that, that 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 would happen. The other thing they wanted me to lie about was that I was married. They didn't want to. They didn't want me to talk about oh. the fact that I that I was married. Uh, my wife and I married young. We were nineteen, and, and we were, I was twenty, and she was nineteen when we got married. And. Um, you know, the record label was like, you can't be a married guy. You have to be single. And I was like, I'm not, I, I can't do that. I can't just pretend like she doesn't exist. Um, so, you know, they were like, you know, this was coming, you know, directly from, 
from the the, the president of, of the label. Um, and we were like having, you know, arguments kind of back and forth about this between my manager talking to them and, and, and then, then, you know, go, you know, as, as my manager as the, the, the kind of go between, but right. they were very adamant that I, I would, I was not, you know, quote, unquote, I wouldn't say that I was married. So I said, okay, listen, it, you know, as a compromise, I guess, you know, I'll not say that I'm married but I'm not going to say that I'm, that I'm single and available and Hey ladies, come, you know, come look for me after my show. Sure, like, sure, that's sure, what sure. they wanted me to do. Sure. And I was like, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, I'm not going to deny that, that, that she's in my life. So, um, we came up with a compromise that they didn't really love, but they didn't really have a choice. Uh, because I, I wasn't going to do anything. I wouldn't do anything less than this. So I basically just said, you know, when people asked if I was single and I said, I'm, I'm in a, you know, very serious relationship and with her for a very long time. And, and that's how, you know, we had to go about it for the, for the first, for the first little bit, because they didn't want me to say the word married because, you know, when you say married to, um, you know, kids that are in, in high school, uh, they think of their parents and they didn't want these kids to think of their parents. They wanted them, they wanted, you know, you know, the, these kids to think of me as one of them. And, um, and I get it, you know, it's the whole marketing thing, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to deny, um, the, you know, my wife would kind of given up so much for me to, to follow my, my dreams. I wasn't going to deny that she existed. So, um, so yeah, that's, wow. that's what we. So, so so they want you to be younger and single and <laughs> everything that just wasn't yeah. true, right? Okay, all right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the that's the rate. That's the the game. The the record label game. They they want to make you as attractive as possible to as many people as possible. So yeah, they want me to lie about my age. I said no, um, but um, I still don't know how how people do it. But yeah. I mean, you can just Google like people's <laughs> ages at this point. Like it, is, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm well, sorry. So so in between this period of time, uh, and and when Javier sort of I, I would say you know exploded on the scene, I actually had the great opportunity to see him live. Um, I, I was a campus-based professional on a college campus. We were booking shows, all the other kind of stuff. So I saw him at an event called NACA. Uh, and I just I happened to be in the front row for this performance, and NAC is like four day event where people are trying to sell programs to college students. So it's a lot of good talented people, and there's a variety comedians, magicians, hypnotists, all that other kind of stuff. And and late one night, and it felt like it had been a really long day. This guy comes out on stage, just him and a guitar, and starts singing, and I was blown away. And, and all I could think to myself was, how does the world not know about you? And I, I'll tell you the song. It was, uh, okay, here's the truth. And I remember mm-hmm. the, the, hearing that song and thinking to myself, this guy is going to be a star. So so you had gone from Capitol Records. You had been doing the college scene, which is, you know, can be a really busy and, and, and lucrative um, uh, you know, area for, for a performer. So at what point in time, I guess, we're going to skip ahead just a little bit. At what point in time did you hear about The Voice on, on NBC as, as being, you know, a possibility? Because this is season one, right? So before everyone knew yeah. about it. Right. So um, let's see. Uh, I, ended up, so I ended up, just going back for a second, I ended up getting released from Capitol Records in 2006. And like you said, I was doing colleges and and some club gigs and, and things to kind of pass the time and to make make money uh, between 2006 and 2011. Um, and then kind of beginning of 2011, uh, that whole time I was trying to find a new deal, and nobody wanted to sign me. Uh, nobody wanted to give me a chance. We had lots of doors shut uh, in, in our faces and trying to make uh, make new meetings with, with record labels. Nobody wanted to hear it. Um, I finally thought I was going to get a, a deal with Blue Note. I had met with them several times, and in the beginning of 2011, January 4th, 2011, I had a show, uh, a showcase for them in, in uh, at Joe's Club in, in New York City, 
and all the executives were going to come. And, and it was really, you know, it was really cool. All the meetings that we had with them were great. We thought we were going to do it. So we thought we were going to make, you know, you know, sign with them. We do the, the showcase. And then two days later, they tell my manager that they think they're going to pass and they're not going to sign me. And I thought that was a dagger in, in my career because I said, wow, I mean, we've been trying for five years to get a new deal. And this is the closest that we've come. And they, you know, they, they're, they're passing. And I said, I, I, you know, I don't think that, I don't think this is, you know, this is going to, is going to work anymore. I've got not enough gigs on the books and I've got a wife and now two uh, beautiful baby girls. And I said, this is not, if it's not working anymore, it's not working anymore, but I've got to take care of my family. Um, so two weeks go by and uh, I, my manager sends me this email about this new show called The Voice. And in the email, you know, basically it's from Universal uh, Records and it says, hey, you know, send your artists to this audition for this exciting new show. It was just done in Holland and it was, you know, it, it beat out the, the Dutch X Factor and the Dutch Idol and, uh, you know, and Holland's Got Talent. It beat out all of those shows by a mile and uh, they're going to bring it to the United States. Here's a couple links. If you want to look at um, what, uh, what the show kind of looks like and, and, you know, you click on the links and they were basically blind auditions for these artists in, in Holland who had just done the, uh, the first season. And, um, and it seemed pretty, it seemed pretty cool. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't really know if I didn't look at it, you know, in, in one look and say, wow, this is going to be a smash show in, in the U.S. Like right. I didn't look at it like that because I just, I didn't, I didn't know if, if it, you know, if people thought that, you know, we're going to think that the chair turning was gimmicky or, or, you know, or if they, if they were going to like the format, like I just didn't, didn't really know what America was, was going to, was going to be, uh, when, when they, when they saw it, how they were going to feel when they saw it. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I was very hesitant. I didn't really honestly want to do it. Um, and it took my brother and, um, several friends to, to finally talk me into going to the audition. And I said, all right, fine, I'll go. I went and, uh, and you know it, it went it went really well. Wait, wait, wait! Uh, I want to I want to pause just a second. Hold on, hold on a second. So yeah, so of you course. you didn't you didn't even know if you wanted to do it. No, I knew that I didn't want to do it. Honestly, <laughs> i i didn't I didn't want to do it. I wanted to. I, I was still hung up on trying to find a a deal the old fashioned way. I, but even though you know I knew that that it wasn't happening, and it had been five years. I was still like, I don't want to go on a show. I want to just walk into a record label and then like me and sign me. That you know, that was kind of where my head was still at. And until, you know, I had told my friends and I told my brother about the the, uh, the show and everything. And a couple of days before the show, uh, before the audition, um, my brother called me and says, "Hey, so you're going to do the audition?" And I said, "No, man, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I don't think I'm going to do it." And um, he says, he pauses for a moment and he says, Javier, what do you have going on right now where you think you should miss this opportunity? Wow. And, and I was like, hmm. I was like, you know, I have nothing. I had, I had nothing. I had no, you know, real gigs on the, on the books. Um, I had, I had nothing, you know, I didn't know how I was going to pay my, my rent, uh, actually my mortgage at the time. I didn't know how I was going to pay my mortgage. Um, you know, in, you know, three months from, from that, from that moment, um, you know, or two months from that moment, you know, even. So, um, I, I was, I was in a bad place. I said, you know what? I can't really argue with that. I've got nothing else to fall back on. You know, why not, why not give it, give it a shot? So, so that's when I decided to go to the audition and, and, um, and that's yeah. That's so, how that's how it all started. So I'm going to put the video in the show notes for our listeners who who you know weren't watching at the time or maybe don't remember. But you covered Cindy Lauper's time after time, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, obviously, it's season one, but I think it was the first time that all four judges turned around. Right. So 
Adam Levine, Christina Aguilera, CeeLo Green, Blake Shelton all turn around as a sign that they want you on their team? I think I think that's correct. I think I was the first uh, four-chair turn. I, I was in the first episode, so that that may be correct. There might have been one more. Uh, yeah, I think there was only two four-chair turns the entire season. So, so what's what's um, back that? In, in the first in the first season? Now they give out four tier turns a little uh, <laughs> a little easier, I think. But we had to, we, you know we had to fight for them back back in the day. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, I want so I, I want to teleport. Was, I think there's just two of us. Yeah, I want to I want to teleport in our mind though. So you're not sure that you you're sure you don't want to do the show. Your brother talks you into it. Um, you know, we, we a couple of years of not being able to get that record deal, and then you see four highly uh, successful artists turn around as a sign that they want you on your team. What's that moment like? That moment felt really good. Um, I uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I just knew that I didn't want to go up here and look foolish. I didn't. I didn't want it to be a mistake that I had gone on on this show. So I said, okay, even if, if people don't turn around, you know, just don't fall on your face. Don't do anything stupid. Um, just go out there and do your best. And if, if you go out there and you do your best and it's not good enough, I mean, there's, uh, you can't you can't really ask for more than 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 your best. So I couldn't I couldn't make these coaches you know press their buttons. Uh, the only things I, I mean I told myself before I went out there, the only thing you can control is what comes out of your mouth. And what comes out of your guitar, and make sure that it's that it's the best that you've got, and um, and that's what I went out there to do. And then listening back, it wasn't the best <laughs> that I had at all. I was nervous, <laughs> and, and and I would do uh, a lot of things differently. And and um, it, you know, if I had a chance to do it again, but when it worked, so I you know. I, I can't. I can't say that I should do anything different. But I, you know, it wasn't my best performance, but it was good enough to get the four chair turn, and I, I was, uh, I was honored that that they that they felt that way. Sure, sure. So throughout the course of that that season, uh, you got to do a lot of awesome things. You you, you know, covered some songs that are incredible. They're still on my playlist. Um, you know, one of them that comes to mind is uh, your duet with uh, Adam Levine, uh, "Man in the Mirror," the the cover of Michael Jackson's uh, famous song. It's it's actually kind of funny to me now because uh, my my daughter, who's who's a huge fan of yours, um, uh, when she hears Michael Jackson's version, she says, "Oh, that's Javier and Adam Levine's version." It's like, no, no, no like my, Michael <laughs> Michael did it first. So, uh, when when you think that's back awesome. to that experience, like, what was the what was the coolest moment? What was the moment that felt maybe surreal? I mean, there was definitely some surreal moments there. Um, singing uh, "Landslide" with um, Stevie Nicks was I, I, very I thought you might say that surreal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a very surreal moment for me. Um, I couldn't believe that I was doing it as I was doing it, and and um, she's such a legend, and and I just. I just didn't want to mess up, you know. I just was like, I didn't want her to be mad at me. <laughs> the, the entire time I was worried about what she was thinking about my <laughs> performance. So I wanted to make it as perfect as I possibly could. And I just, I mean, if you watch that that performance back, like she's literally, like at the end especially, she's kind of conducting me through it so that we end all of our phrases together. And like, she's just such a, such a pro. And um, it was an honor um, getting to sing that with her. And she, you know, she said something to me afterwards that, that was really sweet. And, and, uh, I, I still, I mean, I'll never forget, uh, to this day, she said, um, after we got off stage, she said, you know what? I've never sung that song with, uh, um, another man before. She said, I've sung it with Cheryl Crow before, uh, maybe a couple of, you know, another, a couple of people, but I, I've not really sung that song with uh, with another man before, and I don't, I'll never, I'll never sing it with another man because I, I, it'll never be as good as what we just did, and and I just, I, I couldn't, <laughs> wow. jokes made me cry because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that she was saying that, you know, being the 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 legend that, that she was and saying it to me, and um, this was a special, uh, a special moment I think that that that, that we had, and um, and I just. Uh, she was very, very sweet, and and I, I'll never forget that moment 
um, for as long as I lived there. So that was very, very surreal. Um, obviously, you know, the win, you know, when, when Carson said my name at, at the end, and yeah, I totally didn't think I was going to win. I just didn't, I didn't think I was going to win the whole, the whole time. Every week I was, I was thinking I was going home, you know, no matter how good I thought I did or how, how good people said that I did, it didn't matter. Because I was thinking, I'm like, this is a music business. Like everything, you know, every single opportunity, you know, something always goes wrong. Like, you know, I, that's just kind of what you condition yourself uh, to expect. So I just, I never thought that I would get to the end. And if I got, and when I got to the end, I was like, you know, don't have your heart set on winning because you're not going to win. You know, something's going to happen and you're just not going to win. So don't, you know, I was just trying to, you know, ease the the pain of, of, of a letdown, uh, you know, before it even happened. And then, and then, uh, and then I won and I was just, you know, I just cried a bunch and, um, and, and yeah, it was, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was very surreal. So we're, we're, we're going to fast forward a couple of years. So, so after the voice, uh, you released, you know, major studio album, kind of like back in the capital days, um, and, and, you know, just kind of in a, a moment of transparency here, would you say that that relationship didn't work out with that record label? Would that be how you describe it? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, that, you know, when you win a, when you win a show like that, you kind of are forced into, uh, an arranged marriage, um, uh, you know, between your label and, and yourself and, and, um, you know, they might not have wanted you to win. <laughs> you know, they might have wanted somebody else to win, but they're stuck with you and you're stuck with them. Um, and, you know, they have ideas on who they want you to be and you just want to be yourself. So, you know, there's going to be a constant kind of push and pull, um, uh, you know, with them wanting you to be the artist that they want to promote, that they think is going to do the best. And then there's you saying, I just want to be me. You know, I've been me, you know, throughout the entire show. And why would I change me now when being me was what, what won me the show? So, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I would say that it, it didn't work out as well as we would have liked it to. I think that, that you know, we tried. You know, they tried some things. Uh, they, they tried to make it work. Uh, I tried to make it work at, 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 you know, eventually they stopped trying <laughs> and that's, you know, once I realized that it was, you know, that they had stopped trying, it was time for me to try to, to get out of my, of my record deal and, and being, you know, fortunately I have a really good lawyer <laughs> and, right. and he was able to get me out and, and, and I was out less than, I think it was less than a year. Yeah, it was less than a year after I won, I was out. Is is there is there no room in the the music business for for someone who can just simply sing and play the guitar, or the piano? Like, is is that space not available mainstream anymore? I mean, it could be, but you know, it only is if the record labels, you know, put the the time and and, and the money. Really, it's the, it's the money. Uh, they got to put the money into disseminating all of all of your. That, you know, disseminating, you know, the talent, you know, like you, they have to let people know, that, you know, that you're out there and that you're doing these songs and, and, you know, and if the songs are good and they resonate with people, um, you know, you have to get them out there and people have to see them. People can't like what they don't know about. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's absolutely possible that you can go out there and, and sit and play, you know, play and sing and, and, um, you know, and people would would dig it, but uh, you know, it, it, the record labels will only go with you know what they think is going to what they think is going to sell. Um, you know, and, and your age plays into it. What you look like plays into it. Um, who your audience is, you know, who you're talking to in your songs. You know, all of that stuff is is, uh, is a factor for these record labels and. You know, they want to put you, either they want you to go for a certain genre, for a certain demographic. And and um, if you don't fit into that de- demographic, then, then they don't want you. 
So I'm man, that it, it's disappointing to hear as a, as a fan. Um, obviously, for those of us who do enjoy Javier's music, and my guess is that if you've listened to the show up to this point, uh, you, you probably either have already searched for him or you've got some on your playlist. Please make sure you do download those things. Uh, hit up YouTube too because you can see some live performances. Uh, just a little plug: there's a live performance with him and Darius Rucker that that I think is incredible. Uh, but that's just a, a personal preference. So um, I understand. Okay. Let's let's make some breaking news here. I understand that you have something in the works, though, that's a, a little bit different than what listeners might be expecting. So uh, so what's next? Uh, the next thing that I'm super excited about doing is uh, I'm going to be doing a uh, – I've always been into musicals, always been into musicals um, since I was in, in you know, grade school. And this uh, this summer, I'm going to be playing the role of Jim in uh, a show called Big River in a uh, professional uh, repertory theater in Connecticut in Fairfield. Um, and I'm super excited about that. I've actually played this role when I was in uh, when I was in high school, and now I get to play this role again as an adult. Uh, and and I'm so excited about it. It's one of my favorite roles. Um, that I've ever played in, in, in one of my favorite plays. So um, I'm super excited about that. That'll be um, June 15th through 17th in, um, in, in Fairfield. So, um, uh, so more information will be coming out on that in, um, in my, uh, uh, on my website and on my social media. So make sure you wow. look out for that. But if you want to take a trip to Connecticut and come, come see me in, in uh, you know, on, on the theater stage, um, you can uh, you can do it then in June. This really is breaking news because, to the best of my understanding, this has not been shared anywhere else. So, uh, no, is there the first is time there, talking about it? I was yeah, gonna say right that's, that's great. Is there is there a future for you on the stage? I'm, obviously, not on the stage, but but on the the performance stage. Is is there a, is there a future there? You know, I, you know, my one of my dreams has always been. To, to be on Broadway. Um, you know, I, I wanted, I had a couple dreams. One was to be a recording artist and, and, and I, I've, I've been doing that and, and it's been amazing. I've been very blessed. Um, but I, I think I'd, I'd have a little hole in, in my, my heart if, if I'd never did uh, any, uh, anything on, on Broadway. So I think at some point I'm going to, I'm going to try to try to do that right now. Uh, I, I have I had never went for it, you know. At least I didn't go for it in the last couple of years because of logistics and 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 worrying about how I'm going to do it with with my family. And, and when you're on Broadway, you've got you've got eight shows a week. Um, you know, some people can can negotiate seven shows a week into their schedules, but in their in their contracts. But I mean, it's that's just it's a lot of it's a lot of time uh, of being away, and I'm just far I'm, I'm far enough away out of the city where you know driving back home every day. Um, you know, would mean, you know, five hours, right. you know, in, in the, in the car. Uh, and that's without, that's without traffic. So, I mean, you can end up six, seven hours in the car, um, a day. So that means I'd have to stay in the city for the week and then come home for like, you know, 36 hours, uh, you know, and then have to go back and do it over again. And my kids are young, you know, my girls right. are nine and seven and my little boy is going to be four in in a couple of weeks. And, and my priority is, 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 you know, taking care of them in, in any way that I, that I can. Obviously, I have, I have to provide for them. Um, but if I can provide for them, you know, without being gone, you know, 90% of, of the week, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. So, uh, yeah, I just I try, once I figure out the logistics and, uh, of doing the Broadway thing, I really would love to do it. It'd be an honor to, to – to be on uh, on Broadway, I really want to be in Hamilton <laughs> at some point in my in my life because I'm in love with that show. Um, I'm in love with a lot of shows, but that, that show has, has hit me uh, hit me pretty deep. I, I'm just absolutely in love with it, and, and I've got my whole family's into it. My daughter, I took my daughter to to go see it. We had a little daddy daughter date um, in in November, and she just had the, the best time and, and she's a little mini me. She, she loves theater. She loves singing and she's, she's in acting classes. <laughs> she's just, she's, she's sick with it. Um, it went way earlier than I was even sick with it. So, sure. 
um, it, it's it's awesome to get to to do things like that with her. Uh, so yeah, so you may you may see me on on stage at some point once I figure out uh, logistically how to how to be you know home enough and 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 uh, and and do guard at the same time. Everyone, so so breaking news here. Please make sure you you share that information. Uh, you know, at five good questions, uh, hashtag five GQ. Uh, Javier, you've been so generous with your time. Can I get you out of here on on the five good questions of the show? Do you have time for that? Absolutely, absolutely. Hit me. Excellent. So number one, how do you define success? Hmm. You know, for me, I I define success. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny you ask that. You know, when I was on on the show, I remember uh, uh, one of the executives saying to me, uh, "You know, we think that you'd you'd be a successful uh, first winner if you know you sell at least you know five hundred thousand copies of of your of your record after uh, you know when when you release it." And I was like, "Wow, yeah, that that would be that would be amazing." So that was success to them, um, but uh, success to me, I already knew. You know, when when he said that, I'm like, wow, his success and my success are um, <laughs> two different <I> things. <laughs> um, you know, success to me, it, you know, is getting to do what you love for a living and getting to support your family, you know, well, uh, doing it. Like that's all I've ever wanted to do is to be able to say wake up in the morning and write songs and, and, you know, and be able to play them for, for people and, and have people to play them for that will come to my shows and, and that support me. Like, um, you know, that, that's really, you know, at the end of the day, you know, making my career in, in music, you know, is, it, it, is all I've wanted is all I've wanted to do. So that's success. Um, that's success to me. Um, and I don't, I don't need anything else. If you told me uh, right now that, hey, listen, you know, how the the year that you had last year uh, or the year before that, the year before that, like, you know, the, the years that you've had after The Voice or whatever, um, you're going to, you'll never win a Grammy, um, but you're going to, you know, you'll have that, the, the same amount of success that you've had over the last five years. I would say, give it to me all day because wow. Wow. I, I can take care of my family and, and I can travel the world. Uh, and I'm doing what I've wanted to do since I was a kid. And, and there are so many people that would, you know, would kill to be in that position. And, and, and I remember being one of those people and, and I'm just, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for what I've been given and I never, take it for granted i try to never take it for granted so um you know that that you know it's kind of a roundabout answer to your question but um you know success is you know to me is is getting to do what you love um for uh for a living and uh yeah you know being able to share what you do with with millions of people it's just it's just something that that not a lot of people get to do so yeah. In, in in order to to come to that though, and this is the second question. In order to come to that, my guess is that you you've experienced some failure. So, what is the best lesson you have ever learned from failure? Um, you know, uh, is it you know sometimes it's not uh, it's not anybody else's fault, you know, but your own. Sometimes it can be your fault. Sometimes you sit there and you second guess and say, oh well, you know what, maybe I should have listened this one or maybe I should have done this particular song that they wanted me to do. Um, you know, you, you just kind of have to kind of, you know, you have to kind of search deep down uh, and, and make sure that, that you make the best decisions that you can. And I, and I feel that um, the decisions that I've made in my career, you know, I made them with the best intentions and I, and I, I made the best, the best decisions that I, that I felt I could in, in, in the moment. Um, but you're not going to get them all, all right. You know, you, you, you never know um, what would have happened or what could have happened. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to, you have to trust your, your team around you. Um, 
you know, I've also learned that you can't trust them too much because that's a whole nother, right. that's a whole nother story for another, for another day. Right. Right. Um, but, um, you have to, you know, it, you have to own your mistakes and, and you have to, you have to learn, you have to learn from them. And, and yeah, and I, I've learned that, that, uh, you know, you have to, you got to live with your decisions. You got to try to make the best decisions that you can in the moment. And, and once you do that, you know, you can sleep well at night knowing that, that you were, that your heart was in the right place, but it's not always, you know, you're not always going to make uh, the right decisions. I appreciate that. I think that that probably is going to be a big takeaway for, uh, for a lot of our listeners. Um, so, so the next question, uh, the, the trick is you're not allowed to say that it's the same thing. So, so what are your best and worst habits? Hmm. My best habit. Um, I, I, my best habit. I don't know. Um, I love putting my kids to bed. I don't know. Is that, that's a habit. I love, um, I love putting them to bed. Sometimes they want my wife to do it. <laughs> uh, especially my son has, has been kind of more like mommy this and mommy that, and 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 he wants mommy to, to do everything uh, these days. But I I love I love being there for them. You know, it's my being a dad is is my best my best habit. Um, I I mean I would do I think for for my kids and and I you know yeah I mean they're they are my my life and and it's funny i really don't feel like life started um you know yeah life doesn't really start until you have kids and then you realize what the true meaning of life is and and and, uh, you know everything everything changes you know um so yeah so i think that's my my best habit is, is trying to be the best the best dad that i can that i can be um my worst habit. Like I say, we gotta look in the mirror um, now for a second. Hold on. <laughs> my worst, my my worst habit um, is probably my my addiction to golf. I'm I'm highly addicted to golf, and I I love it very much, and I try to play as much as as much as I can um, when I'm on the road, especially. But I don't let it get in, in the way of my of my my parents my parenting time. Um, so I don't, I don't play when I'm, when I'm home, but when I'm out and doing shows and, and whatnot, I'll, I'll play, you know, as much as I, as much as I can. And in, in full confession, that's actually how, uh, Javier and I bonded initially, because when we booked him for a show, I put him up at a resort that was attached to a, a golf course and, uh, he came Which in. Which one pre- was that, man? Which, where was that? That was in Michigan, Bay, uh, Bay Valley Resort in, uh, Oh in my Michigan. gosh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So so when when, when, awesome. when he came to the show that day, he was like, "Man, did you know that I'm right on a golf course?" I said, "I did know that," and you were just the happiest person <laughs> in the world that day. So that yeah, is true. I, uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. I gotta go back over there, man. That place is great. <laughs> Come on back. Come on back. Uh, this Come question, I, I think you've answered. But when you were six years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, you know. When I was six years old, I still didn't—I didn't know that I wanted to be a musician. I don't think. Um, at six, uh, I don't know that I knew. I, mean, I, I think, I think I wanted to be. Um, I think I wanted to just be like my dad, you know. I think I wanted to be a radio announcer at the time. Um, he was so heavily into radio, and and um, I would literally every chance I got, I would like take the, the back of a, a, you know, of a Cheerios box or something. And I would read, you know, the description in the back with in the, <laughs> my best announcer voice that I, that I possibly could. Um, I literally would take any box or any bottle of anything that was on the table. And, and um, if I could read it in, in my, my news anchor, you know, like a radio personality voice, I, I, I would do that. So um, I think that's kind of what was what I was, you know, most influenced by at the time. So I, I was like probably have to say I was, I was probably looking to maybe go into radio. Man, and, and now you're on a radio show. So this is this we're coming full circle. This is great. This is <laughs> that's great. right. Okay, last one. I'm going to get you out. Although I'm going to I'm going to try to sneak in a bonus question. But here, here's here's the last of the five good questions. So when when things you know, get tough, 
what do you tell yourself? Or in other words, what is your mantra? When things what now? I'm sorry. When when things get tough, what do you tell yourself? Um, you know, I tell myself. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it depends on how tough. <laughs> um, but um, you know what? I, I've, I've been I've been blessed that you know I've got a, a wonderful wife. I've got a wonderful support system um, between her and my family and. and um, you know, I tell I tell myself I can I can get through I can get through this. You know, um, I I, I try I pride myself in, in not getting stressed very easily. I, um, I I really try to keep my stress level down, and by the, the only way that I do that is is by not you know not trying to sweat the small stuff. You know, I, I try to um, you know I I try to say, you know what, listen, I, I, I can handle this. There's nothing, nothing that I can't handle. You know, I'm going to gonna figure out a way to make this happen. I try not to get stressed. My, my wife is, is a little different. She will stress. Uh, <laughs> she'll stress a lot more than I do. Um, I don't think she could possibly have my, my job because um, she would worry about about so many things that I just, you know, things that roll off my back and, you know, it'll, it'll all work itself out in the end where she, she she's not that type of person, but, um, yeah, you know, you just, you don't sweat the small stuff, you know, you, there's only certain things, you know, like I told myself on, on the voice, I said, there's only certain things that you can control. And right now the situation that I'm in, you know, if I'm in a bad situation. Um, what, what can I control? What can I change? Cause the things that I can't change are out of my mind. Right. I can't, I right. can't change them. So I'm not going to spend any energy on them. I got to spend my energy on, on solutions because that's what's going to get me out of this situation um, and, and reduce my stress level as quickly as possible. So it's like, you know, uh, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think about the, the stuff that I can't change. I think about the things that I can change and I, and I attack them and, and, and I find as many options you try, you know, it's always good to know what your options are. Uh, I think I try to think of as many options that that are available to me, and I try to make the best decisions, uh, you know, with the information that I that I'm given that I have, and uh, and yeah, that's how that's how I I try to I try to get through stuff, you know. I love it. No, it's a it's a great takeaway. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sneak this question in here for just a second, but first I'm going to say, make sure you go to JavierColon.com. Make sure you follow him on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those other kind of things. Make sure you go to iTunes. If, if someone is listening right now, Javier, and they want to introduce a friend to your music, what's the first song you would want them to play? Mm, that's a good question. Um, hmm. uh, one song... I think it depends on the friends. I mean, because I mean, my 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 music has gone through some different stages. Uh, you know, there was like I said, there's some some R and B pop stuff. There was the straight R and B stuff, and then there's the singer songwriter acoustic stuff. Um, you know, uh, I would probably say. Uh, song that I'm I'm proudest of uh, was the one that you mentioned earlier was okay here's the truth yeah. Um, yeah I would say if if they were gonna listen to one song of mine um, I would say yeah try I guess go give that one a listen it's, it's kind of a story it's a, a song that that tells a story from beginning to end so in order to understand what happens at the end you really gotta pay attention to what happens in, in the beginning and, and the middle um, but uh, and then once you listen to it the first time, you have to go back and re-listen to it so you can figure out all the the things that you missed uh, <laughs> when you listen to it the first time. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I would say I would say okay, here's the truth. If, if, uh, if there's one song that uh, that you were here with, I'd say go check that one out. And then after that, you know maybe go check out my new video for for my uh, the newest single, Gravity that is from my new album uh, with the same name gravity that we released on, on Concord records uh, this past April. 
Um, that's the newest project, and, and uh, I think we have a second single that, that's coming out uh, shortly called uh, Clear the Air. So awesome. make sure you uh, you look out for that. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Make sure if you do listen, uh, you hit me on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram. Let me know um, what you what you thought, if anything uh, moved you. Man. And by the way, when you listen to that first song, you might want to have some tissues ready just as a public service announcement. I don't want to ruin it, but <laughs> you might want to have a tissue ready. So uh, Javier Colon, man, thank you so much for being a, a guest on the show. Uh, this is It's been a privilege and honor, and uh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure listeners are going to love this one. So thank you for being on. My pleasure, Casey. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the opportunity, and, and uh, good talking to you, man. I, I look forward to... Uh, Take catching up with you, uh, Michigan, soon. Let's do that. Everybody, please make sure you share this. Uh, follow 5 Good Questions, hashtag 5GQ. And as we send you out, as always, I'm going to let Kendall tell you what to do. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone. If you like this episode, make sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe.